Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast devotees and followers. The great Matt Geib here with, with you one more time from the snowy, white, and cold Pacific Northwest. Yes, that's what I said. The Pacific Northwest is covered in a sheet of snow, about 10 inches. It, it might have been 10 years ago that we had this much snow. We don't usually get a lot of snow. Maybe every three, four years we get a good snow, but I haven't seen one like this in 10 years here. So I, uh, with that in mind, I, I have a lot to share with you today. This will kind of be a different episode as I just kind of talk to you a bit. And I have some notes. I have a little bit of a lesson, but it's more of me talking to you. And um, I wanted to bring a lesson or, or, or something uh, about the Christmas season, about Christmas and the coming of Jesus Christ, because at this time of year, um, we have celebrated you know, the coming of Christ as a baby into the world. And yeah, I myself, I could show you, um, you know, pretty emphatically that Jesus really was not born at this time of year. He was probably born in September or October, maybe. Uh, but we still, as, as a world, we celebrate this time. And um, I don't think it's a command either from Scripture. I don't feel real bound that I have to do that. But we still honor Christ as in my mind, and the way I do it, as this was the time the world sets apart those that really celebrated or or even refer to it a bit as a time to celebrate his coming into the world, into our world as a baby in a manger. And I was going to talk about that, and I began to look at that. There's one favorite scripture I have that I hope to share with you today. Hope we get that far. But right as I began to study this, or look at it, or meditate on it, it came to me, I, I always refer to this time of year that we're in right now. Uh, we are in the time for the ending of one year, that's 2021, the beginning of 2022, and from about uh, December 20th till usually the 31st or the first or second, I would say, second, third, right in there, I always have kind of referred that in my mind or, or thought of it, especially as I've been an entrepreneur for a few years, a, as a parenthesis. That's a parenthesis. In other words, it's a pause. Um, a, a parenthesis means it's used in language. You know what it's used for, where its meaning is like an aside or an added note to a sentence or topic uh, one is referring to. Um, it, it's usually not good to use a lot of them. You, you, you should either include it as something that you're talking about or not included. Like, here's an, uh, an example. Like, John and I went fishing on Monday down at the, down at the lake in, in Olympia, you know, uh, and then I put in parentheses. Of course, this took three or four hours, so you didn't hear from me right away. That would be the parenthesis, why you didn't hear from me right away if I was writing you an email or a note. That's what parenthesis means. Um, and I, I th I, I've thought of my life a lot of times 
in the last 10, 20 years as I've thought back and reflect. This is a time of year where I do a lot of reflection on what's happened the past year and what I'm going to do for the new year, whether they're goals or ideas or uh, new things that I want to try or pruning back things that I want to that haven't served me and get rid of them in my life. Um, I've thought of this time as a parenthesis. I'm in a parenthesis. A lot of us are in a parenthesis. We're in a um, a bit of a, a pause. You know, uh, uh, some synonyms for parenthesis are from our language would be intermission, interruption, a gap, or a pause. And I think we often, all of us, experience a parenthesis in our lives. We all go through parentheses, plural, right? And sometimes they're pleasant, and sometimes they're not. And this parenthesis for us here at the Guy Resonance, we're we're almost like we're in a parenthesis within a parenthesis, because this has been a a weird week. Because on Monday here, uh, Monday um, uh, Monday the twenty seventh, actually Sunday night the twenty sixth. This is when I'm I'm sharing this with you now is, uh, you know, I'm sharing about that. Uh, it began to snow and snow and snow. So my wife was off work for two or three days, and all of us that live here, we're pretty much, in, and we kind of are coming out of it a little bit now, we're pretty much housebound. So we're in a snow parenthesis. Now, today is a beautiful, beautiful day out there. there it's sunny. The sky's blue. I've taken the dog for a walk. We, As far as we've uh, could walk, you know, even further than we had been able to in the deep snow. Um, but it's very cold. It's 15, 16 degrees. And it looks like maybe there'll be another dumping of snow tomorrow, which is is uh, Thursday here. Um, when I'm talking to you, I'm, it's talking to you on a Wednesday. Um, so I, I'm in a parenthesis and a parenthesis within a parenthesis. And I began to think about this topic quite a bit. You know, like I said, I think we all go through different parentheses in our lives. Um, and sometimes, like I said, I think the idea um, when we're thinking about, you know, we're in an intermission, an interruption, a gap, a pause, we, we sometimes the human nature is just to want to plow through those things as fast as we can, you know, to get, a, get through them. You know, I, I want to go on with the rest of my life what I am supposed to do. So Christmas parenthesis till New Year's, you know, the weather parenthesis. Now I was thinking about for me, maybe the one of the first times I really realized it was when I was 18 years old and I'd made the decision. I lived in Midwestern United States in, in Ohio and made the decision to come clear out here to the uh, Pacific Coast to Seattle and go to Bible college. I was in a parenthesis for two months. I was, you know, it's all I could do. I was working part-time, saving up money. And I was so excited to make that trip out here and to experience new things in my life. That was a parenthesis. You know, I wanted to rush through it and get on into college. You know, that was a parenthesis. You know, um, there was a time maybe 30 years ago, which wasn't a good parenthesis, where we had to leave the house that we were in, um, you know, uh, due to circumstances financially, uh, due to some of my lack of wisdom, and the house was sold for basically, you know, we didn't make a profit on it. It was sold for what we owed on it. And if, if it had gone on, we would have lost the house. It would have gone into foreclosure, but it did not, thank goodness. And so we went and we lived somewhere else for two and a half years, and that was a parenthesis, you know, because I, that hurt and that smarted. That made me... Uh, you know, it was like a slap in the face. And um, 
God gave me the grace and the strength to pick myself up and to go on. And in two, two and a half years later, um, we bought the current house that we're in, you know. Uh, so that was a parenthesis. Some of the other parentheses, Noah, you know, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You read that in Genesis 6, uh, verses 1 through 8, it talks about that. And um, God was seeing that the men were multiplying, women were multiplying in the earth, but it wasn't very pleasing to him because man got more and more corrupt, and God got to the point where he said, you know, I'm sorry that I ever made man. They ha- it actually says in that passage they have 120 years, and then I'm going to destroy them and start over again. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. That was a parenthesis, 120 years. It took Noah was at the same time finding grace in the eyes of the Lord, was in that parenthesis building an ark. Can you imagine 120-year parentheses? People lived a lot longer then. So that's like three generations, if, if we consider a generation 40 years. He was waiting on God's plan. He was in a parenthesis. You know, he had to build that boat by faith. It never rained before. And yet um, he had to wait on God. Um, and, and when I think of parenthesis, it's a pause. It's an interruption. It's a, it's a waiting time. Um, you know, there's not much going on. We could say there's a pause in God's plan in a certain sense. I mean, sure, God is always working, but it's, it's not as evident. It's not as out there. People aren't in alignment with it as much. So there's a pause. So he had to start over. Another one I thought of was Abraham. You know, the, the starting of the great nation of Israel and Judah. Uh, you know, God called Abraham to get up and go from the country he was living in at the time, you know, and just go. And he didn't know where he was going. And, uh, you know, Noah, uh, Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, all these patriarchs, you know, Noah, um, well, let me see if I got it right, Isaac, Jacob, these sons, you know, they all had sons. And what was the end of it? Um, there was Joseph, and they ended up in Egypt, and Joseph saved them from a great famine because they went down there. You know, all these, all these, um, you know, descendants of Noah, uh, uh, Jacob, I think it was, that was Joseph's father, if I have that right. And they, and they were saved by Egypt because Joseph, you know, he went through a lot of things there. He was in a parenthesis, you could say. You know, he was first um, put in prison because he was misunderstood because, uh, you know, they thought he was trying to rape Potiphar, you know, the one that he was serving, her, his wife, or she accused him of that. But finally, he was waiting on God, and God got him out of that prison. He, he rose to second in command in Egypt, and, um, you know, the brothers, they met there, and I remember the scripture, I think it's uh, in Genesis 50, where he said, you meant this, you know, they were all... Uh, sorrowful the brothers were and feeling bad because of what they had done to Joseph by selling him into slavery. And he said, you all meant that for bad, but God used it for good. You know, that was a parenthesis there. And then uh, the, the parenthesis that I'm really getting into with this story is when you go on down the line there, the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, Israel, were there in Egypt for 400 years, and it turned into... Um, not that good of a situation because they ended up in slavery 
um, building the Great Pyramids until, you know, there was a parenthesis, there was a pause on the plan of God in a certain sense. Yes, he was working behind the scenes. Yes, they were praying and crying out to God for deliverance, so he brought them Moses, and then, uh, you know, the plan of God moved on, you could say. And finally, one of the ones that I've been studying today um, that really impacted me is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Samuel. Samuel, the prophetic call of Samuel. 1 Samuel 3.1. Now the boy Samuel was intending to the service of the Lord. In other words, he was being uh, mentored by Eli, the priest, before Eli. And then we also see that he was ministering to the Lord. He was serving the Lord. 1 Samuel 2.11. 1 Samuel 2.18, it mentions that. You know, he was real consistent, even as a young child, in his service to, before the Lord under the tutelage of Eli. Okay? Now, the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord before Eli. Um, Samuel means heard of God, means might, strength, power. And, and the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. In other words, the King James Version says, no open vision. Um, Young's literal translation says, no vision was breaking forth. Samuel, along with being a priest, was a seer prophet. He calls himself a prophet in 1 Samuel 9, 19. So there was, a, there was what I'm saying here is there had been an 80 or 85-year parenthesis or gap, um, I'd say from God meaningfully talking to his people, Israel, from Gideon here to Samuel. It says visions were infrequent. There was no open vision. People weren't hearing from God. Okay, There was a parenthesis there. Um, and then you go through the scripture here in the first chapter, chapter 3, um, verses uh, 1 to about 12. And it's three times that the little boy Samuel hears this voice, you know, um, hears his voice um, calling him, calling him. And he kept going to Eli. And he, Eli said, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. And then Eli realized after the third time, I'm just paraphrasing, that God was calling him, that God was calling Samuel. Th that was the end of a parenthesis. Something new was going to come forth now, okay? Um, on that day, I will carry out, uh, I'm reading verse 12. Um, here was the word that he, the, one of the words he received, Samuel. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything that I have spoken in regard to his house from beginning to end. Um, and we look at that by looking at 1 Samuel Chapter 2, 25 uh, to 35, and 1 Samuel 4, to see what was really going on at that time in the nation. Why there was a parenthesis, uh, a gap, a pause from not really hearing God in, in meaningful ways. And that was because of the spiritual state of the nation. Okay? So this word was rare, or precious. Uh, that means in Hebrew it was precious, clear, bright, splendid. It was like a jewel, something to be treasured, glorious, influential, excellent, weighty, honorable. This word, these words that were going to come through this seer, uh, a lot of people say he's a judge, that's Samuel, say he's a priest, but he was also a seer. You know, it says that, right? He says that of himself to Saul, to King Saul in 1 Samuel 9.19. God also called him as a seer, you know. Samuel, along with being a priest, was a seer. So he, this was the beginning of him receiving. It says the word, words were rare. 
but God was beginning to speak to this young lad. He was beginning to speak a splendid, glorious, influential word um, through Samuel, and and he would do that often. Um, and there had been no open vision, or um, visions were infrequent, is one translation. Um, the vision means to burst out, to break out with force, with breakthrough, with increase, with divine communication. No open divine communication or revelation. That had not been the case. There had been a parenthesis there. At least, um, I said, 80 years. Maybe the last time there was meaningful communication between God and his people was when Gideon was the judge. You know, Sure, there was another judge there that was... Um, you know, at the same time as Samuel, which was back up in the maybe northern part of the kingdom, which was Samson. And I never read anything much about Samson and Samuel being related. But Samson, God would uh, come upon him, and he would slay Philistines, and God used him that way with his long hair. But I don't think there's any way that he heard from God these kind of prophetic, influential, life-changing words that Samuel brought to the nation. In fact, um, Samuel, if it wasn't for Samuel, we wouldn't have had Jesus Christ as our Savior, because Samuel was the one, if you remember, who found David. He went to Jesse's house. They went through all these sons there that were gathered to be anointed as the new king. No, it's not this one. Oh, but Lord, he's so strong. No, not this one, Samuel. Um, maybe it's this one. He's really brainy. No, it's not that one. Um, and then do you have any more sons? And they went out to the field and they got David, you know. And, and out of David's lineage came Jesus Christ. So there was no open vision, a, a, a forceful, life-changing revelation or communication. Why? That's because at this time, uh, the nation uh, under, um, and, and at this time, the priests and the judges, but they worked together in, in, this, in Israel at this time to lead the nation, uh, was really corrupt. You know, Eli was very weak. He was a very weak, he was old at this time, and he was a very weak uh, priest. Um, his sons, usually it was handed down of the lineage for the sons to take over, and they were already acting as priests, but they were far from really a priest before God. Um, um, they, they, the priesthood and, and, and what they were doing was full of corruption, exploitation, solicitation, and insubordination. And if you read through 1 Samuel 2, 12 to 25, you'll see how that works. They were corrupt. 2, 12 says, 1 Samuel 2, 12 says they were worthless. And the Hebrew word for worthless means worthless because they were evil in their hearts through and through. They were just thoroughly evil. And, and then it talks about exploitation. They, 2, verse 16, they, uh, see, the priests were allowed to take food after the offering, take what was offered as a meat offering to the Lord, as an animal sacrifice, and, and get sustenance from that for, for their, you know, to live on, to eat. And uh, also the people were allowed to do that, but they would hoard it all. See, the people, you know, the poor people, they, they were supposed to be given part of that, and, and the priests, those two guys, Hophni and Phinehas, would come in there and take it all. You know, um, they exploited the people that way. Then uh, you read on uh, in that chapter 2, verse 22, chapter 2, verse 22 uh, of 1 Samuel. Um, they solicited the women. They were just brash about their sin, right? much like what's going on today in so much of 
the wickedness that goes on. They weren't shy about it at all. These women served in the temple of God, in the, in the house of God, uh, served the priests and served the ministers. Um, they were pure women. They weren't harlots, and yet they solicited them, and they paid them off, so to speak, um, to have sex with them, you know, and they corrupted them that way. And then the last first, last one, I said they were insubordinate because um, finally Eli, as weak as he was, confronted them on that, and they said, no, uh, we don't care. We're going to do what we want. And it actually says in verse 25 the way that por- passion of scripture, or that portion, I'm sorry, of Scripture ends up from verses 12 to 25 is, is God had hardened their hearts because, because they were so wicked and evil to the point that the Lord desired to kill them, it says. Can you imagine that? The Lord desired to kill them? Can you imagine a God of mercy, a God of grace, a love, um, that a man had hardened their hearts so much, kind of like Pharaoh also, that God desired to kill them? Because they, weren't, they were worthless. They were, they were corrupt, thoroughly corrupt, as the Hebrew says, through and through. Isn't that sad? So that was the state of the nation that had been in that state for 30, 40 years under Eli, and it had gotten worse and worse because he uh, was not a good parent, obviously. And um, so there, there, they were in a parenthesis, and, and God came on the scene um, through the prayers of Hannah, and, you know, crying out to the Lord because she couldn't have a, a child, and God gave her Samuel because once she made a decision in her heart, okay, Lord, I don't care. You can have this son or this child, uh, then she became pregnant, and she gave that child to the Lord. And when you read on in, in those passages, in those first two or three chapters, after she had one child, she couldn't have the child for years. And uh, I think a, her husband's other wife used to antagonize her about that, and make fun of her. And, and it, it, there was a bitterness, it says, in the Scripture, in her soul. But she cried out to God. She hung on to God. And God blessed her because she, once she gave that over to him, she became pregnant. And it's so, I just love it because afterward, you know, Samuel was serving in the house of the Lord, was basically, it was still um, Hannah's son, but really it was a son of, uh, of the Lord. And he wasn't really with Hannah that much because he was always in the house of the Lord under Eli's tutelage. But it says, you know, after that, I think she had like five more children or four more children. So God really opened up her womb and and really blessed her. You know, isn't that amazing? That's the way God is. So that's a parenthesis that we can look into. And then we come to maybe the the most, uh, in reality, I put down here, I think I said this already, because of Samuel's faithfulness, David, that is the greater David, Jesus, was found to be king because, you know, out of David's lineage came Jesus Christ. So the 400 years of silence is another, I could say, 400 years of, uh, 400 year parenthesis, we could say, is the period of time between the last Old Testament prophets and the arrival of Jesus in the New Testament. Um, it began with Malachi's prediction of Elijah's return, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. I think I could read that to you here. I have it here. I'll just get my Bible, and I just want to read that. We're just going to go on here for a few more minutes. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah. See, now that's a, that's a, he wouldn't 
It's not talking about the literal Elijah, but we're talking about someone coming in the spirit, in the same spirit, the same anointing as Elijah. I will send you Elijah the prophet before that great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. So before that was fulfilled, 400 years went by. Not much, not much really took place. I mean, I wrote some more, you know, some historical notes down here, and we kind of highlight them. Um, you know, the Persians and the Greeks, you know, they kind of, first the Persians took over um, Judah and Israel, and then the Greeks. Um, then, they, you know, there was the rebuilding of the temple, you know, those kind of things. Um, but really nothing significant in the way of God speaking to his people at that time. You know, there was Ezra and Nehemiah. They, they helped reform the people, but it wasn't really the same as when they were with the prophets, you know, when the prophets were bringing those rare influential words, you know. While these 400 years of silence revealed no new biblical revelation, they clearly included many significant historical events. Uh, there were many changes in the rule of the land of Israel, as well as necessary preparations for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then we get to this scripture here. This is one of my favorites. We're talking about Christmas season, the coming of Jesus. Galatians 4, 4-5. Galatians 4, 4-5. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, and this, we're talking about Jesus, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive. I'm going to talk about this more here. Didn't write the scripture down, but it's in my mind to go to another scripture. We might receive adoption as sons. Wow, in the fullness of time. That means the time was all filled up, filled up, kind of like a woman that's pregnant, all full and ready to burst forth with, with that um, child. You know, it was all filled up. And then I'm gonna, I am gonna—I want to read a couple more things here just to kind of, I'm going to, this is my favorite, if you want to call it a Christmas verse. For unto us a child is born. I'm reading Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This is a prophecy from Isaiah, pro pro prophesying of that time, 400 years almost in advance, you know, of this time of Isaiah. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then we read in Galatians, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman under the law. Wow, that's what we're talking about at the Christmas season. You know, that is uh, when Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago, that was the end of that parenthesis, that 400-year silence. And God's been speaking through Jesus Christ ever since. And, and Paul carried on the, mis, the, the message. And we talk a lot. I recently finished the book of Ephesians, and we talk a lot in there about the mysterion. Paul was given the mission 
uh, to reveal to the Gentile church, not just, you know, the message was now going to go forth to the whole world, not just Jews, that, that Jesus Christ was the answer, that Jesus Christ was, God was going to speak through his son, Jesus Christ, through him uh, being nailed to the cross for our sins and rising in newness of life and coming to be inside of his believers after that, after, after the uh, Pentecost through the Holy Spirit. And God, that's how God would speak to his people. And we're in that gospel age now. And Paul was given the mission as the Gentile apostle, the great Gentile apostle. To, uh, you can read about it in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, uh, first half of the chapter. God, and that's even a parenthesis there, because he's proving his ministry, that he was called to reveal this mystery, this mysterion, which means something that had been shut up and something that had been a secret. Paul was called to reveal that mystery on, that mystery uh, to the world. And we as saints are called to do the same. We're called to reveal the mystery, um, to uh, break out of the parenthesis of silence, to reveal the mystery of God, the salvation of God, the plan of God. It's no longer, uh, you know, shut up or silenced. You know, we're talking about parenthesis, uh, uh, and there's, you know, in our, the, what we're referring to today, where we're not hearing much from God, we're not, we're not, we haven't. Been, we're in periods where we're not hearing from Him, where we're waiting for something, where we're waiting to be heard. You know, uh, waiting to have a word delivered, as it were. And I, I want to just, I was thinking of closing out with a couple things here. The first thing that comes to my mind is we are the sons of God. It, it says. Uh, in that scripture I read, when I first read it, Galatians 4, 4 to 5, so that we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. Um, there's, there's an adoption that takes place. There's a mantle that's given to the sons and daughters. I want to read about that, how we carry this on. And then I'm going to close out with a couple other thoughts. Um, but I wanted to read in Romans chapter 8. You know, we are in a certain sense we're we're still in a mysterion, even though we're in the or not a mysterion. I'm sorry, uh, we're we're revealing the mysterion. We're revealing that which has been shut up. We're revealing it's an unfolding revelation. You can listen to my messages on Ephesians talk about that. It unfolds. It never, you know, it, there's more and more and more to it. And I think even in eternity there'll be more of an unfolding of what the revelation. Uh, of God is, what that mystery really entails. We can never fully know it. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to read uh, about um, this scripture. And I think this says well where we're at right now in our society the last two years with all the things with COVID-19 and all the things that we've seen transpire. I think you'd have to have your um, head buried in the sand to not know there's been a significant change in our world. I considering Paul, I consider, Paul says, Romans 8, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, or some versions say in us. For the creation waits. See, the creation's in a parenthesis. It's waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. <laughs> There's going to be a further revealing, my friend. For the creation was subject to fertility, not of its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will not be set free from its bondage, or I'm sorry, this creation will be set free from its bondage 
to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. We're not there yet. We're waiting for that, right? We know that the whole creation, ah, the whole world has been groaning in travail together until now. That's verse 22. Romans 8.22, and 23 says, and not only creation, but we ourselves, the Spirit-filled sons and daughters of God, uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan, we agonize inwardly, is what the Greek would say there, as we wait. Remember I talked about the adoption in Galatians 4? As sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, see, we're waiting on this. Uh, the sons of God to be manifested, to burst forth. Remember that word that that word of the uh, we read about um, where we talked about a vision, uh, spiritual revelation to burst forth? We're waiting for that. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray. And I believe this is the prayer language of tongues. The Spirit of God fills you and gives you the ability, if you're open to it, to pray in a language you do not know that surpasses your understanding. Because uh, we're, we're so in such agony, we don't know how to pray. He, he, he helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit, see, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. That's talking about the prayer language. He searches the hearts of men, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit, the Spirit, yes, that's praying in the Spirit, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know, see, we know, now listen to this, how this all ties together. We know then that in everything God works for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And a lot of Christians pull that verse out, and it's okay to quote it. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him who are called according to his purpose. But that goes along with the rest of that whole passage. You know, we're praying in the Spirit. We're antagonizing, antagonizing. We're, we're anguished in our spirit, and we're praising, praying in that prayer language, uh, pouring our heart out to God with words that we couldn't utter, that are beyond our knowledge, interceding for the manifestation of the sons of God that's yet to come. We're in a parenthesis now, and that's what we're doing. That's what intercessors are called to do. They intercede for change. They intercede for something, for God to come on the scene and do something. And, you know, another scripture, I want to close with this. I thought of, you know, Isaiah 40. You all know this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, the song goes, to wait. And, you know, I, I did a whole message on that years ago. It's a good message on waiting on God. And that word waiting means to be intertwined. With God, like you, like you would twine, uh, twine around a, um, you know, around a um, a spool, you know, and you're all wrapped up. You and God are all wrapped up, all intertwined. They that are intertwined, wrapped up in God, what's going to happen? They're going to renew their strength, and they're going to they're going to fly off as eagles. And what I'm saying to you is, without a true spiritual parenthesis of waiting on God. You won't be able to run and not be weary. You won't be able to fly like an eagle and do the things that God wants you to do. 
there are parentheses. There's are, there are times of pause for rest. There are times of intermission, as it were. There are times of waiting on God where, uh, you know, it, it may seem to you like nothing much is going on, but you need to continue to wait, wait, wait. Without the waiting, without the parenthesis, there's no power. There's no power to run and there's no power to fly. We all want to run and we all want to fly and we try to do that sometimes, but we haven't allowed God to work through a parenthesis, a time of pause, a time of um, intermission, as it were, you know. We need those in our lives. The Bible talks about the word in, in the Old Testament a lot, especially the Psalm Selah, which means to just stop and pause and consider and meditate. How often do we really do that? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that have a parenthesis in the Lord shall renew their strength. That's what this time now between, I believe, at least for me, for a lot of the world, for a lot of Christians, it, it should be a time of reflection and waiting. You know, reflecting on what the last year has brought, what maybe we can improve, what maybe we need to cut off, and what we want to do. You know, what does God want us to do in the new year? You know, and, and uh, the manifestation of the sons of God. Oh, that's part of the waiting process, is it not? We're waiting for that. Um, I, I think there's another scripture here that maybe ties in with that. I keep thinking of scriptures. And, uh, you know, this, you know, uh, and then I'll share. I meant to share in the beginning, and I kind of forgot some of the things that are going to come next year, God willing. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a, let me see if I can find it. Well, that's, that should do it for now. I can't find the one scripture I'm thinking of. There's another scripture that talks about, um, in Ephesians, about the fullness of time that, that, that the church is going to step into um, being revealed in power. I'm paraphrasing it. I'll find it for you in, in, a, in the fullness of time, Christ in them. It's not just in Christ that he was revealed in the fullness of time, but the church also will be revealed in the fullness of time. I believe that's in Ephesians. And that, that so coincides with that scripture in Romans that I read about, you know, the whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and the daughters of God. But anyway, before we close, I just wanted to say part of my process uh, as I've been waiting and, and, you know, considering what to do for the new year, you know, because we, we, we had ended with Ephesians. Um, I like to go into another book of the Bible, which God willing we will. But I want to change this podcast around. I want to bring in some of the wonderful friends I've met in the last year or two, uh, some spirit-filled, anointed teachers, preachers, prophets. And I want to bring them on the Kingdom Corner podcast. This isn't about Matt Guybe. This is about the saints of God collectively. And I want you to hear from some of the other people in the body of Christ. So I'm not sure if it'll be the next week that we're on that we'll have someone on or not. But real soon here, I'm going to make an effort at least once a month to have a guest person on, a guest person I'm either interviewing or they're teaching or both a combination. That's what we're going to do. Um, I'm excited for that. You're going to learn some new things. I'm going to learn some things. You know, it's not all my message. It's just 
oh, the body of Christ is so beautiful because he can speak to us in so many ways through so many different vessels, you know. For God gives messages to so many different people in the way they see things, you know, that I could never see them that way. So I'm excited about that. That's what's going to be coming in the uh, number of uh, weeks ahead because I like to try to do a podcast once a week. Um, I've kind of shifted it to Mondays now. Um, I found some better ways to produce my podcast so I can have it, you know, in a more timely fashion. Had been on a break here. And I almost was going to go for, you know, till the, till the next week. But I thought, you know, I, I really wanted to talk about Christmas. You know, I, ne- I hardly ever talk about that. Um, not, that, not that it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't have any hangups about it. I, I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm obligated to celebrate Christmas, you know, the spiritual side of it or even the material side of it. But, um, you know, we can commemorate Jesus coming into the world. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I'm not bound either way, is, I guess is what I'm saying. So I wanted to at least say something about that. And then this message just, God began to speak to me about um, Samuel and about um, there was no open vision. You know, there was no open word until he came along. You know, perhaps you're the one, you know, as you wait on God in that parenthes- parenthesis time, parenthesis time, that God will f- will begin to give a word to in a time and in his time and in his season well my friends i went on enough um i will see you in the new year god bless you um god be with you take time for a parenthesis take time for a sila to wait and consider what god is saying to you amen amen Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of The Kingdom Corner.